بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وله تو قادين آجي خان آشا هلو آنك دين هوئي آمي آشي ناية خونو بطاي شوائي پاس شوائي بچور هوئي گسي آمي آشي ناية خونو اي خانه تو كي بول بوار خان بانه قلنام كي خانه گارم هوئي نا كي تاندا هوئي تو Does anyone understand anything I've said? Two or three, yeah? Yeah? Now you know the problem of speaking a language that people never understand. And if you speak a language that people never understand, how the heck are they going to ever follow you? So, Zakallah, brothers and sisters, welcome to our session today on influencing people, the prophetic way. The Prophet was a master influencer of people. And what is leadership except influencing people? It is to speak the language of the hearts. It is to speak the language that people will understand so their attention is with you. It is to speak the words that will give them purpose in their life and a vision for their work. It is to speak a way by which people will remove their fears and find peace and comfort and contentment with what you and where you lead them. This is the prophetic, prophetic leadership of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wallahi, you know, you never really appreciate how important the life of Rasulullah sallallahu really is until, until you actually go through the roles in your life. So you never really appreciate the Prophet sallallahu as a leader until you are a leader and you've gone through the mistakes and you've been through the grind and you've lost the best of people and you have made big blunders then you realize oh my god I should have paid more attention to what he said and you don't realize the Prophet as a master husband until you've been a husband and you've had a crisis in your life yeah with your wife and then you understand subhanAllah I should have paid more attention or the Prophet advice as a mother yeah or to, to with the children or the Prophet as an educator. Recently we launched our third school and I never really appreciated the value of leading an educational institution or actually educating children until I actually went through the whole process, the nitty gritty of, of being a principal and working with principals. Never appreciated the value of teaching children until I had to go through that myself. And wallahi I'm standing here today and after having dealt with lots of CEOs and lawyers and, and, uh, and leaders and after having led some very excellent people from Canary Wharf and from London and from worldwide we have over 60 top individuals that work with us mashallah excellent human beings and excellent leaders I can say most definitely I have not found any example of leadership that is so complete that is so comprehensive that is so perfect like the leadership of Rasulullah absolutely unbelievable and I don't want to talk to you about, okay, integrity or truthfulness or we need to have passion, guys, passion, passion. No, no, no. I don't want to talk to you about the stuff which, you know, you will find in any Tom, Dick and Harry, John Maxwell book, okay, on leadership. I don't want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about stuff that I've experienced in leading a, a DAO organization across the world. And what I have experienced from from the way people behave and human beings behave. What I have learned about influencing human behavior, we have over, over 10,000 people that work with us now across the world and I have to maintain their, their, their work and I have to get them all engaged in Ramadan and all working for one vision, one purpose, singing from the one hymn sheet. As we say, uh, you know, when, uh, when that man went to, uh, <clears throat> to that museum, uh, I believe it was, what museum is that? The, the museum where uh, they keep the... Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? The museum where they keep the... You know what I'm talking about? Huh? No, the, the, the museum where they, where they keep all the... Um, you know what I'm talking about? No, so I'm just joking with everyone. So I'm, just, I'm just pulling... I'm just making sure you're all with me. Okay. It's all about sending the man to the moon. Yeah? It's all about understanding how you can get one person, the cleaner who cleans the carpets in NASA, when you ask him, why are you working here? He says, I'm sending someone to the moon. Yeah? How do you get a cleaner who cleans the floors in NASA to speak from the same hymn sheet as a CEO of NASA? You know how? And this is what we're going to talk to you about, about prophetic leadership, something about which, subhanAllah, we pay very little attention to because we think it's, it's Quran and Sunnah, right? We've heard it, Sheikh coming. You know, Sheikh's not even going to wear his suit properly. He's going to come here, you know, wear salwar kameez. Yeah, we heard that before. Oi, listen up. This is about branding. 
This is branding. Yeah. And that's the first message I'm going to start with. Authentic leadership. My brothers, my sisters in Islam, if you try to fit into a mold that other people have set for who a leader is, you will lose your brand. You will not become an authentic leader. People will not follow you to the level that they should follow you. Yeah? And you will end up losing them down the track when they find someone better dressed than you, better branded than you, into that mold or branding that they want. The Prophet ﷺ was an authentic leader. When you saw the Prophet ﷺ, he was who he was. He didn't try to fit into a mold. He was who he was. And that's why I remember the greatest advice I've ever had from my Sheikh was be yourself. Just be yourself. You are who you are. You dress how you dress. You comb your hair how you comb your hair. You speak how you speak. People want authenticity. People want you to be unique and different. It was reported that the Prophet ﷺ, when he was in Medina, he saw the people, the Jews over there, combing their hair from right to left. So the Prophet used to comb his hair from left to right. Okay? Uh, when he was in Makkah, it was the opposite. They combed from left to right, so he combed it right to left. What was that do? What was what was going on? He was his own brand. He was his own unique person. People wanted to start or have their food with uh, meat and bread. He preferred milk. Uh, the people uh, wanted to dress better, but he dressed humbly, but he smelt like a million dollars. They used to say you could smell the Prophet ﷺ, right, when he was coming in that way. But he was so poor, but he smelt like a million dollars. So you see what he was doing? He was creating his own image, his own brand. He was creating authentic leadership. People want to believe in you first before they believe in your message. How many times have I learned this lesson, Wallahi subhanAllah? You, you must believe in me before you believe in what I say. And that's why I told the brothers, this is how you introduce me. Because they need to know who I am before they li listen to the message that I have. If you don't believe in who I am and don't, don't know what I stand for, you will never ever agree with the message that I have for you. So create the number one advice I have for you. I have ten advices today to, to, to impart to you. Number one is create your own authentic leadership. You are who you are. You are an exemplary human being. You've already been created unique. You have a unique purpose on this dunya, and you need to fulfill that. Don't try and fit into someone else's mold. Don't try and be someone else. You are who you are, and people are attracted to you. Imagine now, if I had to tell you a story. I've got to tell you a story about something that happened to me. It's so amazing. You want to know about it? Yeah. See, already you're attracted. Why? Because everyone wants to know my story. Not because it's my story. You have a story, and you have a story, and you have a story. You have a story. They want to know. So don't dilute that by trying to sing someone else's story and trying to be who you're not. Number one, be an authentic leader. This is the first advice, the first uh, point of advice from how the Prophet ﷺ was in his leadership. Number two, the Prophet ﷺ was a man who led with vision. He led with absolute purpose and vision. Let me just describe these two words to you so that we are all on the same page. What is vision? The way I'm describing vision, it means the picture of the world that you want to see. That's what I describe vision as. What is purpose? Purpose is the reason, the, the reason for your action, why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah? That's what I mean by purpose. The Prophet led with purpose and vision. He spoke the language of purpose and vision at every major step in his life. And at the most difficult of situations, this is how he led. It was reported that in, the in 1932, at the height of the recession, Ford, uh, Henry Ford, at that time, when they had their biggest gathering of crisis, and it actually happened again in 2007 when the financial crisis was going on, and Ford was in crisis, and GM was in crisis. What do you do when you're in crisis? What do you do? How do you speak to employees? You must go back to your purpose and vision. And so it was reported that that's exactly what the Prophet ﷺ said. In fact, it was reported that when the Prophet ﷺ was with the Sahaba, and this was in the Battle of Khandaq. Battle of Khandaq was in the Battle of the Trench, when they're building a trench because so many of these enemies were coming to attack Medina. When he was building the trench and, and, and digging the trench, there was this big fat boulder that they simply could not, could not move. So the Prophet so, so listen to this, this is unbelievable. When I hear this, it's like, man, it reminds me of what Gandhi did. I'm going to tell you the story of Gandhi just in a bit. So he got down in the trench because the Sahaba were like, Rasulullah, we can't break this, this, this brick. So the Prophet so, so, look, listen to what he did. He takes his axe 
and he hits the axe. And when he hits the, the, with the axe, he hits the boulder, a light comes out. And do you know what he says? He says, Allahu Akbar, Rome is yours. What the? Rome is yours, he said. Then he takes his axe, yeah? And then he hits it one more time, and another light comes up. And what does he say? He says, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Sham is yours. Sham is Syria and Lebanon and Jordan, all of that is yours. And then he takes his axe, and then he hits it again. And he says, Allahu Akbar, Iraq, Persia is yours. What madness! You're talking about this now? I've got the battle to fight. Yeah? Hard-nosed, hard-nosed CEOs, they don't want to talk about vision. They want to say, hey, listen, we've got 90-day priorities. Man, Ramadan's coming. Got to do fundraising. Might go and do it. That's what we talk about. We talk about our six-month and our 90-day priorities. We don't talk about a vision. When it's crisis, you want to lead people, you want to give them hope, you've got to talk the language of vision and purpose. And how are you going to do that if you have no vision or purpose? How are you going to do that if you don't know what your purpose is? And that's why, before this talk of, of vision and purpose, you've got to figure this out first. You've got to figure out what is your purpose and what's your vision in life. The Prophet said in authentic hadith, Kullun muyassarun lima khuliqala. Every single purpose, uh, every single person is helped by Allah to do what they were created for. You will be helped by Allah to do what you have been created for. What is it that you have been created for, brothers and sisters? Have you been created to be an employee here in Canary Wharf? No. Or have you been, uh, been created by Allah for something far more greater and far more amazing than this particular role that you're playing right now in your life? And you need to ask yourself that question. You need to really sit and say, listen, man, I've got to follow my purpose. Because if I follow my purpose, then I can be like other individuals. And this is how you need to be. You need to be a visionary. You need to speak the language of visions. You're either an F or a P. If you're a P in the Myers-Briggs uh, you know, um, uh, personality typing, if you're, a, if you're an F, you're the one who's like my wife. Like, right, we're going for holiday. Right, in one month, I need to know exactly what is the name of the taxi driver who is picking us up from the airport. If you're the F type, you're going to be like, wee, you know, everything goes over your head, right? Vision talk, what the heck, that's just like aloof, he's, a ma he's mad. But if you're a P, then you talk big and it becomes easy to you. And leadership is all about understanding what you are and working on your weaknesses and knowing your strengths. That's what leadership is really. So if you know you're an F, and you know you're going to have difficulty in defining a vision or even talking with those words, then that's understandable because that's who Allah created you to be. But you still need to speak that language because if you don't speak that language, you will never motivate individuals. And it reminds me, in 1992, there was an article that was released, an interview that was done with IBM, the IBM CEO at that time. When IBM was you know, coming up, right? IBM was on its way up. And in 1992, there was an article released that the CEO of that of IBM at that time, I've forgotten what he said. He said, the last thing IBM needs is a vision. Okay? The last thing IBM needs, wallahi, he said that. And I'm like, who the heck is he? And who actually even hired this madman? And actually, that's when IBM started to go down. Then it realized, you know what, hey man, we have to sell off all our businesses, we have to get into consulting. That's when they started to go down the crash, and you know, they actually later on had a proper vision. Don't be like that. You need a vision for your life. And if you're in a unit, you need a vision for your unit. If you're in a company, you need a vision for your company. If you're in a group or a team, you must have a vision. And there's two ways of leading your, your people today. You can either, when you're marooned on an island, you can either say, right guys, you get the wood, you get the ropes, you get the plans drawn, and I'll get the food, yeah? And we'll meet here at 2 p.m. Right, so we all get together, he gets the wood, he gets the rope, and he gets the stuff. We all get together, then we make up a great idea, and say, okay, let's get out of this, this, this bloody island. Okay? But there is another way. There's a better way. And that's the prophetic way. What is a prophetic way? So what do you miss about home? Home is food. Home is biryani. Home is wife. Home is my children that I love so much. Home is that comfortable orthopedic bed that I bought the other day. <laughs> Home is hot showers. You know what I'm saying? Right? Don't we want to just get off this island? Don't we just want to go back home? Do you know who's going to be more successful? 
you can guess who's going to be more successful. You have to speak the language of visions. And the Prophet was like that. In fact, we find in the authentic hadith that the Prophet always spoke the language of visions. He said, marry the fertile and loving for I will compete with the prophets on the day of judgment for the number of, of the ummah. Yeah? So that was his ultimate vision, to have the largest ummah. Yeah? And then another authentic hadith, Wallahi, there is not a single house of brick or mortar of clay or clay except that Islam will enter into it and Allah will enter Islam into those homes. Vision, ultimate vision. Then comes your, your 25-year vision. What is a 25-year vision? Wallahi, Rome is yours, Sham is yours, Persia is a 25-year vision. Then he had his 10 or 5-year vision. What was that? Wallahi, I've come across hadith after hadith about Makkah, Makkah. Oh Allah, give us Makkah. Oh Allah, give us Makkah. Yani he was focusing his people. What was he doing with talking about Makkah? He was giving them vision about where to go next after Medina. Let's go back Makkah and let's get Makkah. Do you understand? It's about vision, guys. And it's about having an ultimate vision, then you're 25, then you're 5, and then what we're we doing this year. And that is exactly how the Prophet led. And speaking with the language of purpose. So the people came to him and said, Oh Muhammad Wasallam, we'll believe in your God if you believe in our God. Meaning one, one year you, we believe in your God, next year you believe in our God. Yeah? So what did he say? He spoke the language of purpose. He said, Wallahi, if you were to give the moon in my right hand and the sun in my left hand, I would not leave calling to this religion for a day. Yeah? Amazing, isn't it? Language of purpose. So my brothers, my sisters in Islam, do you speak the language of purpose? Does your leader speak the language of purpose? If he does not do so, then I can, I can guarantee you he will lose his people, he will himself lose himself, and he will not be able to, or, she, or he or she will not be able to lead his people into success. The Harvard Business Review in the year 2008 did a review of 500,000 people from the Fortune 500 companies, okay? And they asked them, one simple question what is the single mot biggest motivator single biggest motivator of business success one simple question okay and do you know what they came up with number one is if my company has an answer to its existence why why do we need to exist why does this company exist? Why, why does barclays need to exist why does your company why do why why the single biggest motivator to employ performance is why. And that's why today we have the stupidest of whys. There's no other word for it. I'm so sorry, it is. It's like, oh, we exist to increase shareholder value. Have you heard those ones? Like, what the heck? Who designed that? The one who put it up as well as the one who designed, like the Prophet in the Hadith, the one who wrote it, the one who carried it, the one, all of them are equal in sin. It's true, isn't it? You can't, you can't have such silly things because you're talking about human performance. I mean, can you imagine 20,000 people in a company, the performance goes down when you have a bad why? But the whole performance, 20,000 people, goes up if you have a strong why. And that's why in Mercy Mission, what drives us, what drives me, what makes me get out of bed, what makes me love Mondays and hate Fridays? Do you guys love Mondays? No. Do you guys love Fridays? Musiba. It's mushkila. It might just be because you're not doing what you're made to do. I had to say that. Oh, sorry, I had to say that. But that's my role, to challenge you. But I love Mondays and I hate Fridays. You know why? Because I know when I get up every day, it's to fulfill the vision of Rasulullah That's what my purpose is, to fulfill the vision of the final messenger. Oh man, that is so energizing. That is so exciting. I just jump up every day, say, I'm going to fulfill the vision of Rasulullah today. That's what gives me purpose. That's what gives me... You know, imagine if you got into the car, right? And said... Right, kids, let's all get in the car. Where are we going, Dad? Doesn't matter, just go in. So we all get in, honey gets in, and everyone gets in. So honey looks at you, you know, we wife, basically. She looks at you, her name's Honey. <laughs> so she looks at you and says, right, honey, where are you going? Uh, I have the faintest idea. Okay, faintest idea. Have you ever had that? Like you said, get into the car. Well, I just want to get out. I don't know where I'm going. I, just want to... I said, why are you driving the car if you don't know where you're going? Okay. You can't drive the car if you don't know where you're going. Yeah? True or not? Imagine the first time, within 10 minutes, your car breaks down or your tire breaks down. I'm, I'm telling you, your wife's going to say, let's go back. Let's go back right now. I've had enough. Yes? Okay. Change the whole situation. Right, guys? Guys, let's all get into the car. Kids, come on. Yalla, honey, get into the car. Where are we going? We're going Sydney. Where? 
Sydney. Why Sydney? Because Sydney is fun. Sydney is food. Sydney is the harbour. Sydney is the weather. Sydney is it. This is where it is. I mean, if you want to have any life at all, you've got to go to Sydney, right? Where else but Sydney? I'm telling you, your car will break down, your tire will have, be, be flat, your engine will stuff up, but your family will be patient. Because you know why? They're going to go to Sydney. Yeah, it's true. You know human behavior is modulated by these words. And that's why words are so important. Choose your words. Make sure you can say, you elevate a pitch. What's your purpose? Why do you exist? What vision do you have? Make sure it's sharp. Make sure it's striking. Make sure it attracts people. And you will have the best of humanity following you, inshallah. Right? Okay. The next point of how the Prophet ﷺ perfected his ability to lead or had the perfect ability to lead was that the Prophet ﷺ perfected his ability to influence people by perfecting his values. You know, we talk about influencing human beings. You know, how do we create influence? How do we create the ability to influence? You want to influence people? Then people are only going to be influenced by you if you have the best of akhlaq. And that's why, you know, when we talk about leadership, you can't have, you can't be a Hitler and be a leader. You just can't. Though there is this crisis amongst management leaders today, was Hitler a leader or not? Because, you know, leadership inherently we talk about positive values, not negative values or killing people. But at the same time, the reality is people did not follow Hitler at the time of crisis. They only followed Hitler at the time of winning. So leadership is shown by people following you at the time of crisis. So when it was time of crisis, they deserted Hitler. They left Berlin. They deserted. That's why Berlin fell so quick. In fact, the closer they got to Berlin, the quicker it fell. So ultimately, Hitler wasn't a great leader. But you want leadership where even the last person will lay their lives down for you and will take a bullet for you, then that's the prophetic leadership. How do they achieve that? Best of akhlaq. Best of akhlaq. What do you mean by best of akhlaq? It was reported that Ali radiallahu said, he said, I used to be one of the most, most courageous of fighters. But even I, this is Ali saying, and this is Ali used to have the Zulfiqah, the two-sworded fighter, okay? So the two-sworded fighter, they used to say that Ali radiallahu he said, he said, even I used to seek refuge behind the Prophet in battle. <laughs> behind the Prophet And some of them said, Umar radiallahu said, Wallahi, I saw the battle of Uhud and I did not see anyone deeper into the enemy except the Prophet Amazing. Best of values. And at every single caravan, the last person, the Prophet the last person in an authentic hadith it was reported that there was a big sound that was heard in Medina big sound and the people came out of the house to go and find out what was that sound and they found that the Prophet had actually even gone on his horse rode down to see what the sound is and came back to the people and he was on his horse and said it's okay people it's nothing yeah and he, this is what a, a leader is the leader has the best of akhlaq best of courage the best of bravery the best of uh, you know, gentleness and kindness, all of the qualities of a shepherd. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah sent 124,000 prophets, each one of them a shepherd. Each one of them was a shepherd. So you want leadership? Let's get some sheep down here and let's start, uh, you know, some, you know, being a shepherd. Seriously. You know why they're shepherds? It's not because people are sheep. No. But when there's a CEO standing in front of you, the one who can fire you, hire you, the one who can give you a big bonus or can take your money away, then people behave like sheep. And that's the whole point of leadership, is that though we're not sheep, but with leaders we are sheep. And with those who have the ability to give us good or bad in this dunya, we behave like sheep with them, don't we? Oh, I'm five minutes late, man, my boss is going to look at me. You know, it's like we behave like sheep. Yeah? And so this is why my brothers and sisters in Islam, we need to learn about how to be a shepherd and how to appreciate, how to lead sheep, inshallah. Type number four, the fourth value which I saw the Prophet excelling in how he became an exemplary leader is he ate last. He ate last. You know, leaders eat last. Leaders eat last. If you, if you want to read a great book on leadership, read the book of Simon Sinek, Leaders Eat Last. The Prophet definitely ate last. 
And I challenge you, in your unit, whatever level of leader you are, make sure you always eat last, that you take your salary last, that you get your bonus last, okay? I'm not saying less, please don't misunderstand, okay? Last is all I'm saying, time-based, not quantity. You might be the highest paid, yeah? And have the biggest perks and bonuses, but take it last and you watch how people will appreciate that more than anything else. Leaders eat last. In fact, Simon Sinek mentions that this is a major leadership strategy of the army, of the American army, saying how do you achieve leadership between the top guys, journal, uh, the, the general, to everyone else? How do you make them respect and, you know, respect enough to take a bullet for each other? Respect enough to take a bullet for each other? He said, because our leaders eat last. And that's what we need to implement. We need to eat last. And that's why we love our parents and they are our leaders, because they're like our servants. Well, I remember when I was 10 years old, I had, uh, you know, I think you know, some early appendicitis. I've got, I, I've forgotten now. But I remember when I had that pain, it was really terrible, and, you know, screaming in pain. My dad picked me up on his shoulder and he ran with me down the stairs, almost falling, and threw me into his car, picking me up again into the emergency theater, thinking I'm about to die, right? Because I was screaming in pain. And then into the theater, into the emergency department, and said, please help my son. This is not a behavior of anyone except a servant. That's how servants behave. They are the ones who pick you up and take you at the middle of the night. And that's why they're my leader. That's why I respect, that's why I love them. I love them, respect them, not because they are my parents. I don't think we, we, we have learned that sort of leadership yet. I don't think we are such decent human beings yet. We actually just respect them and love them because they do what they do for us. So if you do what they do for their people, you will also have the love and admiration and respect, not by your title, but because of what you do. And that is why, that is why, let's learn a little bit from how top leaders behave. Recently, I saw how, I was speaking to an organizational consultant, organizational behavior consultant, was talking about how Al Jazeera, when Al Jazeera, you know, the um, uh, the, the 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 camera crew was was in, in was in Egypt, and they were being held, you know, unjustly. Right? How did Al Jazeera behave with that situation? Number one, they put up a lot of, they set up Twitter feeds that they they put it out on every single news, free the stuff. Did you see that one? Free Al Jazeera stuff. That one, you know. In fact, uh, the the music would play, music would play. It's about to go to the news, and then just for five seconds they would show the Twitter feed, free Al Jazeera stuff. That's it. Okay, I don't remember exactly the. The hashtag, okay? And they showed that again and again and again and again and again. When they were actually freed, okay? When, uh, in order to free them, they put in tons of millions of dollars to try to either bribe or to actually get the best lawyers. When they were free, listen to this, when they were free, the CEO of Al Jazeera went to Egypt to pick them up. When they flew down in a private jet, this is a camera crew with all due respect. And there are millions of, or thousands of camera crew perhaps. And when they flew down to Doha, right? When they flew down to Doha, all of the board of Al Jazeera was there waiting on the tarmac on a red carpet. What's going on? And then when they came, they gave them full pensions, a house, and a new Mercedes-Benz car, and never to have to work again. Do you know what they were doing? They weren't doing it for them. They were doing it for the rest of the people of Al Jazeera. So that they could show, they, they, they could show them, hey, listen, you never have to go to Arabia or to any other organization or any other news network. You can stay here because we don't see ourselves as staff and management. We see ourselves as family. Wow. You see that? And that's exactly how we need to behave. So if you are a staff leader okay, of a group or a division, someone in your, fa in your family is sick, then go and visit them. Send them flowers. Make a big deal out of it. Not because anything else, but also the fact that other people will see how you behave, I will know that you will take care of them. And so that loyalty, that trust, and that respect is built. And that's exactly how the Prophet ﷺ built it by eating last. He always ate last. Challenge yourself to eat last. Yeah? And you will watch people will not care how much you get, or the fact that you get big bonuses or drive big fat cars. They don't care. They don't care. They just care that you prefer them first before anything else. It's amazing human behavior. Number five, the Prophet ﷺ took great risks. I've got ten, so 
I'm going to go a bit faster, right? Yeah. Okay, the Prophet ﷺ took amazing risks. And he took risks because he behaved like we behaved. Uh, he, he behaved very different to how we behave. Today, we are in a quagmire of information. Yeah? Have you ever seen business plans drawn up? It's like this thick. Who the heck reads that? Which poor business guy reads the whole business plan? They probably come to the executive summary and say, okay, yeah, nice. There you go. Yeah? They don't they don't decide based upon that. They decide how, you know, the dragons in a dragon's den decide, right? Do I like the idea? Is it gonna make money? Do I like the guy? Yeah? Yes, yes, yes. All right, good. I'll take it. That's it. The point I'm trying to make is make decisions based on half information. In fact, this is based upon a leadership philosophy called in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And that's actually leadership philosophy. You need to be able to make decisions based upon half information. In fact, it was a prophet who always, done, always did that. In fact, so much so did he make decisions based upon half information that once he was even going to make a mistake and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided him to the truth. In Surah Al-Hujurat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet sallam, Okay? So all you believe before you do an, do an action based upon uh, inaccurate knowledge, uh, verify the knowledge before you do something about which you will be regretful. So we find the Prophet actually took action one based on half knowledge. And that's exactly the attitude we need to have as, as leaders. Stop asking for full information. Have the courage, the ability to take risks based upon half the information. Yeah, And that is why, ikhwati, that is why a leader is a leader. He ventures forth into directions and places where others don't. And they have the courage to make gut calls. And that's why I tell my leaders, I say, listen, stop trying to win Stop trying to win the election. You already elected. I made you the Amir. Go, I made you the CEO. Now go and do your best. Stop trying to win every debate. Stop trying to win and win and listen to every single opinion. Stop trying to see that you know you know you're a collaborative leader. No, those those collaborative leaders are only successful or some in certain situations. You need to have that courage to take the risk based upon half information. Right. Number six. Brilliant strategy, disciplined execution. Brilliant strategy, discipline, execution. The Prophet always asked Allah for help. So he had the right strategy always. Even in the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, we find that the Prophet chose something which all the Sahaba, other than Abu Bakr perhaps, عنه, saw that it was wrong. And he chose a strategy which was totally, totally, uh, sounds weird. Even if I told you now, Wallahi, it would be like, how did the Prophet even agree to this? What did he agree to? Number one, that he would not do Umrah that year and he would give it up for the next year. Number two, that the Prophet ﷺ, that the Prophet ﷺ, if someone became a Muslim in Mecca and then moved to Medina, that the Prophet would send them back. How do, how do you send back a, a new Muslim that just converted? How do you, if it's, you know what I'm trying to say? How do you do that? He agreed to that, those conditions. Yeah. Number three, that, that they would not fight and would have a cold peace, a cold, a, a, a cold peace amongst them for uh, for the next 10 years, right? He agreed to these conditions. Why? Because look at his strategy. He knew that all he needed was some time so he could spread his message and be the Allah, Makkah would be conquered. And that's exactly what Allah said. We have revealed to you a great victory. How did that happen? Because he saw what others could not see. He looked forward. He understood how people would behave. He knew what his strengths were and what his weaknesses were. Type number seven, the Prophet ﷺ created tremendous urgency. And by urgency, I don't call, I don't, I'm not talking about anxiety. We create anxiety these days, unfortunately, not instead of urgency. We talk about urgency, the need to do it faster, quicker, harder. And Michael Kotler, he says, he's a professor of management in, uh, in Harvard, he says the single biggest predictor of excellence in an organization is the level of urgency that the CEO and the leader builds in his team. Okay, urgency, the urgency to get it done harder, faster. And it reminds me of what the uh, what the defense minister of Israel said. He said, "Peace is a time to prepare for war." Yeah, just to show you the urgency that Israel has in developing weapons of mass destruction or whatever else they want to do in order to harm the Palestinians. 
The point I'm trying to make, guys, is urgency is lacking. And if urgency is lacking, performance as a leader is lacking. You've got to build urgency. How do you create urgency? The problem with creating urgency is that results create complacency. So you've got to create bigger goals when the results come in in order to create urgency. Number two, the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ, so this is what the Prophet ﷺ did. When he, the Prophet ﷺ saw that the people were all accepting Islam, all accepting Islam in loud, large numbers, he created a greater goal, Persia, Rome, so that therefore the complacency would not sit in. So always do that. If you have a goal and target, let's say 100 million pounds is your target from your, from your division this year, and you've reached your target, you must have the audacity to raise the bar immediately or soon. Say, great guys, alhamdulillah, let's have a celebration. We just did it, we reached our target. However, the target is actually higher. And we have a bigger way to go. We now need to go for the 250. And inshallah, enjoy your food, because tomorrow we crack on again. That's urgency. Otherwise, you know what, we reached our target, that's it, end of story, we don't have any more targets. No one's going to come in and do anything but Facebooking and, and Twittering. Yeah? Because that's what's going to happen if you don't create urgency in your organization. Urgency by creating greater goals. Urgency is also by created by naming rewards that are big and large. The Prophet did that all the time. He told them about Jannah that is expanse of the heavens and the earth. He spoke to them about, about Hurul Ain. He told them how the Khimar of the Hurul Ain was better than all the dunya. He spoke about the fruits of Jannah. If a person were to have one of the fruits of Jannah here, all of the people of this dunya would eat from it until the day of judgment, right? He created urgency by creating great massive rewards. And finally, he created urgency by telling them the results, the figures. So tell people figures and results. Have you ever played basketball or soccer where you don't know what the score is? If you don't know what the score is, no one's going to pay any, any attention. So know the figures, know the facts. Tell it to the team daily, and you'll create amazing urgency amongst the people. Number eight, we're coming to the end. And these are very interesting, so I want you to pay attention. And, you know, I hope, I, I hope you've noticed that some of the things I'm talking about are not the conventional stuff people talk about leadership. And that's why, really, seriously, I find the prophetic leadership to be so pertinent today. Number eight, you know, I saw this video once where this, this boy in a, in a park was dancing in a very weird way, okay? He'd taken his shirt off, he had his shorts, and was dancing like, a, you know, Michael Jackson would be impressed. So he was... He was doing this sort of really weird dancing, okay? Really weird dance, got no, absolutely no coordination, but some music was going on and he was doing this dancing, okay? So everyone for five minutes, listen to this, for five minutes everyone looked at him like, what the heck is this weirdo? Dancing like this, okay? Yeah? But then one person came and followed. Okay? One, just one. The first follower. Okay? The, f <laughs> the first follower came. Yeah? The first follow came, and he started dancing as well, on his own. And then, you know what, because the second, first one followed, the second one came. Third one, and within 15 minutes, the whole park was dancing in the weirdest of ways. You know what, there's a lesson in everything. Come on, guys, there's a lesson, right? Even in YouTube, there's lessons. So, <laughs> what's the lesson in all of this? No. People don't believe you, because they think you're a weirdo if you, if you say your vision. No one believes you. No one believes your vision. I'm telling you now. What I'm going to say, you know what? I have a vision to build a, a thousand good quality international Islamic schools and ten universities in the next of 25 years. If I speak like that, and I want to actually, and I will be doing it, inshallah, you'll be like, who the hell is this guy, man? This guy, go back, man. He's a doctor. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's wearing salal kameez. What does he know? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm trying to say? People are going to not believe you until the first follower follows you. And then the second one. And that's what adds legitimacy to your vision. And that's why, that's why the leader, please, please, wallahi, please, I wish you'd remember what I said here. Please take care of your first followers, the first and second believers. Because they add legitimacy to you. They add legitimacy to your vision. People don't believe you until others follow you. And because number one, number two follows, the first and second believers follow, they say, hey, that's a great vision. Don't you know? They have Azim working with them. They have Sajjad working with them. Must be good. Because exemplary. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's what's really important. Really important. That's why. Hadith after hadith about how looking after Abu Bakr. Afa'antu tarikuli ashabi. Are you going to leave me my, 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 my companion? Abu Bakr? Yeah? Who is the ahabbun nas ilayk? Aisha. No, minar rijal. Abu Bakr. Always. 
And then the Sahaba would say, Wallahi, we never saw the Prophet except that he had his two companions with him, Abu Bakr and Umar. What was he doing? This is legacy planning. You want legacy planning? Look after your first and second in line. Yeah? And respect them, honor them. Because you're actually respecting and honoring your own vision. Okay? So important, Wallahi. And the moment the first and second people leave you, your vision will fall. People will leave, everything will go, you will implode. So look after number one, number two. They are very critical, important to you. Yeah? And that's why, sisters, if your husband believes in your vision, and brothers, if your wife believes in your vision, she is your first believer. Look after her. Look after your spouse. Because they believed in your vision first. They helped you in it. And this is what is going to, inshallah ta'ala, lead you to success. And set them up as role models after you. So that's legacy planning and strengthening your vision. Number, four, number nine. You know, I, 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 uh, I came across uh, a group of consultants in strategy the other day, and, and uh, they were top strategy consultants uh, for Saudi companies, you know, and we were talking. And we were giving a, a giving a, 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 a mashallah, we were doing a training session for, for Dawah organizations, Islamic Dawah organizations from uh, the, uh, from the Jazeera. So, you know, from Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and Oman and all of them all got together in Istanbul. Uh, oops, Istanbul, yeah, yep, and uh, and we were, uh, yeah, that's what we're doing. Uh, <laughs> so we were uh, giving them a training session, alhamdulillah, uh, and uh, it's true, Allah, it was really a training session, nothing else. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, so, uh, so w one of them said to me, well, and one of them, you know, he mentioned something really amazing. He said, uh, you know, uh, I've spoken to 500 top CEOs in American companies, and do you know what has appeared to me? That as they grow in their years of becoming a CEO, the more they realize that there are only three priorities that ever matter in life. Okay? And I can tell you now, there are only three things that matter to me anymore. It's PR, and it's strategy, and it's people. And if I have only two things to do in my life, I've got no, no time for except two things, there's only two things that matter. Strategy and people. And if I only have only time enough to do only one thing in my life, and everything else is gone, the only thing that ever matters is people. Nothing else matters. Forget strategy, forget PR, forget everything else. It's just people. That's all that matters when you grow and grow and grow. People, people, people. In fact, if you were to ask me, the Prophet all his time was spent with people. That was his role that was all his time there was nothing else that ever mattered it was simply working with people and developing people how much time do you spend developing human beings we don't we, we don't we really do you use every opportunity with your team members to train them every opportunity even grabbing a coffee with them is an opportunity to train them to teach them right and you know, you pay for training whether you have a training program or not. Have you heard of that? If you don't have a training program, you still pay for training because staff are so bad and you lose customers and so you're still paying for it. But if you have a training program, so you are paying for the training program. You might as well have a training program. So you might as well train. If you don't train, right, then you lose your people and you don't develop them. And the worst thing that we do today is that we don't think about where we're going to be in three years' time and we don't train our people to where our company or our division or unit is going to be in three years' time. We say, oh, okay, training is just, you know, general. No, focus. How is, today we're a $100 million company. Tomorrow we're going to be uh, a billion-dollar company. Or three years' time we're going to be a billion-dollar company. That's our trajectory. So ask yourself this question, are my staff, am I qualified to lead a billion-dollar company? If not, then what sort of training are you doing in order to reach there? So constant training. The Prophet had constant training. Concentrate. How was that? Tafsir program. His Tafsir program ran for how long did the Prophet's Tafsir program run for, guys? For 23 years. So have a 23 year Tafsir program, guys. Seriously, you don't need it for that long. You could have a small Tafsir program. My point is, he used the Quran as a means of training people in their hearts. Yes? Yes? First came the Makkan surahs, which were all to do with their Thabat and their Iman. Then came the Madanan Surahs, which gave them the tools that they needed, practical scenarios, how to lead a society. And so, alhamdulillah, the Prophet had an amazing training program. Choose the Qur'an or choose something else for training. But the point is, you must have a focus on raising people. And that's what the Prophet did 
constant training of people, whatever they were, whatever time of the night, he trained them, subhanAllah. And that's what we need to do, train our people. Lastly, that, made, that which made the Prophet excel beyond anything else. Anyone who is a leader, and who's been a leader, and who is a leader, or will become a leader, you will find that leadership is a very, very lonely job. Very lonely. No one understands. Everyone expects results. You are the first to be blamed when something goes wrong, and you're the last to be thanked when actually things are right. Yes? And uh, everyone looks towards you. You have to eat the last. Yeah, you have to put your wrist and your neck the first. Yes? So you know that 100,000 pound salary you get really has very little meaning now after all of this. Would you agree? And so, you know, leadership is a big headache. You know, I'm a, I'm a trauma consultant in, uh, in emergency department in Australia. That's, what I, that's my work, actually, my day job. I work two, two months a year in, in, in medicine and then six months and ten months a year uh, in, uh, in running Mercy Mission. And I can tell you, uh, it's a very lonely job because when something goes wrong, someone dies in your presence and, you know, you're gone. And, uh, you know, it's your neck on the line. Even though it was a 17-people team that looked after the patient, probably someone like an intern might have made a mistake or a junior nurse, but really it's your head on the line, right? So it's a very lonely job, very lonely job. And sometimes the fees that you get, the money you get, makes very little, very little um, you know, consol consolation for your work. So the point number 10 I wanted to tell you all is we need a, we need a way to complain. We need, a, we need our leader. We need someone that I can speak to. Who is the person we can speak to as leaders? It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azawajal. He's always waiting to hear, always waiting to listen to us, and he has the greatest advice, and he has the greatest love for us. Yeah? He's the best of friends. He's our best, best mate. Yeah? He's there for us at any time, will give us whatever we ask for, never says no, and if he says something which he doesn't want to give us right now, he'll just say later. He won't say no at all, because all our our du'as are going to be answered, either in this dunya or the akhirah. Yeah? And he protects us from so much evil that we don't even know about. Yeah? And he raises our mention when we don't deserve it. And when we sin, he still, put, he still gives us. Right? And when we do good deeds, he gives us even more. That is Rabbana, that is our Lord. Always waiting to hear from us. The Prophet said, Allah is more happy when we speak to him and call out to him, then a man who has lost his camel in the desert and he's about to die then suddenly finds the camel and then out of extreme happiness he says, Oh Allah, I am your Lord, you are my slave. Meaning he gets the words mixed up out of extreme happiness. Yeah? And Allah is more happy than that when we speak to him. So the Prophet did that every night. Every night he spoke to Allah. In one authentic narration it was reported that Aisha anha said, when I was married to Rasulullah and I was in Medina and one day I was hugging the Prophet and he was hugging me at night in our bed. At the depths of the night the Prophet said, waiting, waited until I, I, fell asleep, I was about to fall asleep and said, Oh Aisha, would you allow me to remember my Lord? Would you allow me to remember that? So the Aisha said, Wallahi, nothing is more beloved to me than hugging you. But even more beloved to me than hugging you is to make you happy, O oh, oh Rasulullah. So please go ahead. So the Prophet got up, made wudu, and he started to pray. And he cried and cried and cried until it was said that even though the earth was wet from his tears. yeah. And subhanAllah, on that night, a verse had been revealed. What was that verse? Inna fi khalqi samawati wal ardi wa fi layli wa nahari la ayati li ulil albab. الذين يذكرون الله قياما وقعودا وعوال جنوبهم ويتفكرون في خلق السماوات والأرض ربنا ما خلقت هذا باطلا سبحانك فقنا عذاب النار Verily in the, in the rotation of the heavens and the earth, the heavenly bodies and the passing of the day and the night are signs for those who ponder those who remember their Lord standing and lying and sitting and they think about the creation of the heavens and the earth they say, O oh our Lord you have not created this in vain. You have not created this in playful jest. So please save ourselves, save us from the fire on the terrible day. Ikhwati, this is our, our Prophet ﷺ, the one who remembered Allah so much. And that's how you pour your sorrows out.
That's why you complain, Oh Allah, no one's listening to me. Oh Allah, how do I do this? Oh Allah, I don't know what to do. Oh Allah, I'm lost. Oh Allah, I'm stuck. Oh Allah, I'm stressed. Yeah? Pour it out to Allah. Inni ashku bathi wa huzni ilallah. That's what Yaqub said. He didn't complain to his sons. He said, I complain of my misery and my grief to Allah only. Like a son, like a father who had lost his beloved son. Complaining only to Allah. So my, my dear leaders in the audience, complain to Allah. It's your best source of complaint. When something goes wrong and you, and you don't expect the stuff to happen as it has, complain to Allah and you will find Allah is willing to listen and has answers for you all the time. And in fact, there was a... I'll end with this, inshallah. You heard what our Shaykh had to say regarding Ramadan, right? One of the greatest points of advice that I would advise you with is remembering Allah Azawajal at every point in time. Sometimes we think endlessly of how to solve a problem. Let's think about making istighfar and tawbah and remembering Allah. La ilaha illallah, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, astaghfirullah al-azim, wa atubu ilayh. Right? All of these things will inshallah ta'ala make Allah remember us and we will remember him and he will ease our burdens and make our life easier and people will follow us inshallah ta'ala and when people don't follow us remember it's because our connection with Allah is weak and that's what Sufyan al-Thawri rahimahullah the great scholar of Islam he said I can see the effect of my sins in the way my donkey behaves with me and I can tell you if you sin not only your donkey not only your family not only your team members in your work, the whole world will never follow you. And the only way to become the true leader is to connect with Allah the way Rasulullah connected. So Allah will save you from all difficult situations and will make you a legacy for your people and your team, inshallah. Zakamullah khair. Thank you once again. I hope that this was, inshallah, beneficial to you all and that you reflect really on the prophetic leadership because it is the best, amazing leadership. Wallahi, nothing better than the Prophet mean anything. He was truly the best of mankind. And may Allah make us from those who are honored to be his followers. Zakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.